This is Two Balls, One Basket with Jordan Alfasa. What's going on, guys? It's your boy Jordan back with another episode of the Two Balls, One Basket podcast. And I am happy to announce that with me today, I have a special guest, Alex Toledo from the Five Reasons Sports Network. What's going on? Uh, Alex, I just wanted to, why don't you let the people know a little bit about yourself, what you do with Five Reasons? All right, so I'm basically producer and a co-host of Five on the Floor. Uh, you know, we do it four times a week, pretty much, uh, of shows when it comes to the Heat and NBA basketball, mostly Heat, you know. And that's, you know, I'm also affiliated with Clutch Points now, but I haven't actually started working for them yet, so I haven't been exactly bringing that up. But that's coming very, very soon as well. I'll be, uh, you know, banging out some Heat articles for them uh, every week and that's about it. I'm just a, a heat gas bag. Love to hear that. It's exactly who I am. <laughs> so since we're both heat fans, let's get into some heat talk. So I want to talk about players today. We're going to go each player by category. Gotcha. So we're going to start with Tyler hero. So Tyler hero at the beginning of the season said, that he belongs in the same tier with Luka Doncic and Trey Young. So Charles Barkley, this is what he had to say about our walking bucket. He's playing against backups. When you're coming out the bench, you're playing against backups. I happily disagree with this statement. So what do you think before we get into it more? You know, I got to say, man, I, I'm aligned with Charles here. And that's something I don't know how many times I've ever said or even thought in my life because and like I, I I don't hate on Charles and Shaq. I know what they bring inside the NBA. I don't look to them for analysis. And you know, I actually agree with the analysis here. I, I think Tyler's really good. I think he's taken a huge, huge step from what he was the past season. And I, I just think the expectations were out of place. And I know it's been said a lot, but I just think that's just factual, right? I think people went a little bit overboard with what happened. Uh, in the bubble, and not that he was such a different guy in the bubble than the regular season, but he just had bigger games, I think, on obviously big stages, and I think that's a huge green flag, right? You know, people were talking about red flags on Twitter all these weeks. That's a green flag right there with Tyler was just how great he played in the playoffs, and that's why I was optimistic on him, but I think people expected the leap that he's taken this season to happen a little sooner. And you had this whole year last year where everything, you know, they played two seasons in, in, in a calen- one calendar year, uh, he had COVID. He ended up having a kid later on. Like, he's gone through a lot, and he's still only 21. He obviously performed well in the bubble, had a, you know, and even though people call it a down season, uh, statistically, there wasn't much of a down season. There was much, it was only a drop off in his three point shooting. I just think people expected him to take a, a, the leap that he's taken this season. And he looks a lot better, man. But when it comes to that conversation specifically of putting him in the class with Luca, uh, and guys like that, I, I don't remember who the other guys that were mentioned in that quote. It was Luca and was it Trey? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I get it why he would think that and why he, and, and especially now, right? Because he said that before the season. And that's, again, even before the season, it, it was obvious he was nowhere near those guys, right? Uh, and then he comes in this season and he's just putting up these numbers that he's been putting up every night. He's like their second leading scorer, I believe. Uh, he's gotten better in just about every profile of his scoring, gotten better as a playmaker too. Uh, you know, still not a great defender, but he's improved uh, on the margins there as well. 
I like you couldn't have you couldn't have asked for more from Tyler. It's still true. He's coming off the bench, and even though he's playing with starters a lot, he's playing against other starters because of how much he plays. That's absolutely true. I don't I don't think Chuck accounted for that as much as like he plays starters minutes. He plays the same amount of minutes that these other guys are playing for the most part. So I, I'm kind of in the middle, but I'm I'm I lean towards what Chuck says because he doesn't carry the Heat offense. He that's why he's playing so well too. Why he's being optimized. It's not only the work that he did on the court, off the court, but it's also the way that the basketball team is built now, it's a team that's built to optimize what he does well is scoring, right? And I think it was so controversial last year. He was that starting point guard or whatever, where even though he was kind of not really the point guard, uh, people didn't really love the results. Uh, it was just good reps for what he's doing now. You know, He looks better in pick and roll. He looks better as a shooter. He's just very comfy going to his spots, patient with it. He rises up better because of – you know, that emphasis on his legs that he that, that he had over the summer and just his general strength. He just looks way better. And I think Lowry and Jimmy and Bam put him in positions to be great at what he does. And that's coming off the bench and being that scorer and then doing it throughout the games in different types of lineups. Like, he looks great, but he's not doing what Luca and Trey are doing. Those guys have offenses that are literally built around them, and they don't have talent that isn't anywhere near what Tyler has helping him as far as Jimmy, Kyle, and Bam. Like, they just don't. So I love what Tyler's doing. He's putting up better stats or similar stats to these guys. I don't think he's in that class of player yet. So the thing that didn't resonate with me is, yes, I agree. Tyler Hero is not on a Trey Young or a Luka Doncic level as a player. But what didn't get me is he's playing against backups. Now, yeah, it's now. overstated. It's overstated. It's true that he's a six man, but he's not. But it's also true to say that he's not doing what Luke and Trey are doing, where the whole defense is focused on them for the entire game. And even though obviously defenses still have to respect Tyler and what he does even more now, I just don't think it's the same when you got three three all stars next to you, and you're still arguably the fourth best player. You could say he's the third best player now. Maybe maybe some people are saying he's the second best player. That doesn't even matter. What he does, like the the Hawks and the Mavs literally run these heliocentric offenses that are just built around Luca and Trey's like uh, scoring and playmaking gravity. And that's like Tyler, he could probably like take a bigger load as a starter, but I don't think he could do that. I just think, I don't think he's literally physically built to be able to do that. Like, I don't think he's able to get by guys or be strong enough to, to be able to carry an offense like that. You know what I'm saying? I think the more we see Tyler's game evolve as he grows as a player, because now when he comes in, we just expect buckets. We don't expect facilitating. We don't expect defense. We just we expect three-pointers. We expect mid-ranges. We expect a here-and-there dribble drive. Yeah. With Luka and Trey, you expect a scoring. Luka is averaging eight assists per game. Trey's nine assists per game. Tyler Hero doesn't come in and have to facilitate for others because when he comes in, the emphasis is score the basketball. Yep. And And they're running very movement and screen-based, like, offenses too, you know, whereas Hawks and Mavs, you know, guys are moving around, but it's very much based on Luke and Trey, right? I mean, I I don't know. I I mean, the fact that Tyler has even made it a conversation is insane to me. Like, that's 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 a huge green flag, right? Like, we shouldn't be talking about this, but we are because Tyler's making us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. And the I mean, fact he completely that he plays, shut all of this up. The fact that he's a closer, I don't know. F- coming from Charles Barkley, someone who's so good at basketball, someone who's so famous for it, 
you should know that it doesn't matter who starts. It matters who finishes. All three of those players finish. It's true. Yeah. I mean, now have like four players. Like, it's huge. The Heat now have four players who are playing at around all-star level. And I know the Lowry thing is he's not going to make the all-star team. We know that I think people expected more from him early on with the scoring. He's missing a lot of I expected exact forgetting. I, I feel that, and I get that too. And I appreciate everything he does. I love what he's bringing, and I'm I'm optimistic about it because I do think more threes will fall, and then some of those numbers will kind of go back to, you know, cl- a lot closer to what they were the last season or two, you know, as opposed to what he's averaging now, which I haven't seen it, but well, it's got to be around, what, 10 points, 11 points, <laughs> right? Like, I think you would expect a little bit more, not just to, you know, bring it down to points per game or anything. I just it, – it's been obvious that – the, the same amount of shots, his efficiency on threes has been hugely down. I'm expecting it to go up. Uh, someone tweeted out the stats today. I think it was uh, – I can't remember his name at the moment, I, and I feel bad about that. But he, he tweeted out about how Lowry is like 30% on open threes. So I love everything else he does. I think once those threes start falling, it'll be less of a problem. I'm not really worried about Kyle. Uh, I love what he brings, man. I think they, they needed what he, what he brings. Well, since we're on the topic of slumping shooting, I think it's a perfect time to bring up Duncan Robinson. So, real quick, I want to bring up his shooting percentage from three from last year and from this year. So, last year he shot 44% from three. This year he's shooting 36%. Now, he got to 44 last year after that slow start. 36% is still a fantastic three-point shooting percentage. But us Heat fans are so spoiled – with a 47% the year prior to last year, and then a 44 that we're not happy with a 36. Yeah, I feel that. And I'm, I'm with you that I think the Duncan thing has definitely been a little overblown, but it's more uh, a symptom of what he fans have been doing forever, every year. You know, there's a there's a handful, maybe one or two guys on a team toxic. that get blamed. Uh, whether it's true or not, whether, you know, it's because there's always percentages to things, right? It's never one guy that's responsible, but that's kind of how it gets treated, right? Like, and I know people don't just blame everything on Duncan, but he's kind of been like the, he, he's been the mascot for when when games are lost. Duncan is like a source of, of, of anger for everybody. And I get it, man. Like, you just paid him 90 mil. I think people still are looking at that as like a big price for somebody who is a shooter. And I'm somebody who's constantly going back at that as far as how important and how impactful he is to what they do. Even when his shots aren't, you know, he's not making seven threes in a game when he's not shooting over 40%. Uh, but he does need to shoot better. Uh, I, I, I'm still with that. And I think it will go back up because I've seen that man shoot at so many games right in front of my face. He, he is a special, special shooting talent. And I think we got, we got so accustomed, like you said, to, him hitting that insanely high rate on really high difficulty shots, man. Like that, we take that for granted. The, we really do. I'm telling you, Heat Twitter is toxic. We take it for granted. I mean, we've gotten better about it because I think people get over it. It's more like a, you know, it's that night. But then at the same time, like it's constantly brought up over and over again. The Duncan thing, I feel like, is, is basically a barometer for the losses because it's not really brought up that much during wins, right? <laughs> so yeah, and then. I think that the three-point percentage will go back up. I do think he's getting more open looks, so he maybe has to adjust to, you know, just taking some set shots and not always expecting – he probably is always expecting somebody to be trailing him, waiting to block his shot from behind or something like that because they're always chasing him down. And 
that's really all it is, man. Like he's got a couple more easier looks and a couple less of those really tough ones, but he's still taking plenty of those really tough ones. Like that's most of his shots. It's coming off a curl with some dude right there and perhaps a second guy uh, kind of waiting and, 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 and possibly helping. Like they've thrown two at him so many times over the past couple of seasons. Right. So I, I he's going to get better with these little reads. I think he, he's look he hasn't looked, great on either end to me like i i kind of want a little bit more but i'm not i don't think he's the reason for their losses i think it, it's always a bunch of different reasons uh and duncan is kind of the mascot to see the thing is i think from what i've read he's attempting almost six more threes per game this year wait so is that true? of course there's going to be a bigger drop off in the percentage is that true I'm pretty sure, yeah, from what I, from the math I did and everything. And he's already had like two or three games of 13, 14, 15, 16 plus three point attempts. Last year, it's no, like, it's not. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. He's almost, it's almost identical, actually. He took 3.5, I mean, I'm sorry, 8.5 three point attempts per game last season. And this year is up to 8.9. Well, then, and I'm looking at the website the, I looked at. The three-point percentage dropped from 41 last year to 33 this year. That's what it's at right now. But uh, so yeah, I mean, the 33 is not a good number. Like he's paid to to shoot and understand that, that he's still doing a lot with their gravity. I mean, with his gravity for the rest of the guys there, he's making Jimmy and Bam's life easier, Kyle's life easier, Tyler's life easier, right? Because of all that attention that he that he demands even when he's not hitting all those threes but i just I, I believe in him as a shooter i really do think he he is that guy when it comes to being an elite uh come off the curl come off the handoff type of shooter in the way that they use him so what i've noticed from the way he shoots is he's not like tyler that can shoot on the move that shoots these leaning jump shots duncan yep. robinson's a set shooter and i've noticed that sometimes we see when he's struggling a little bit he leans forward to try to shorten the length of the shot. And when you're you know the thing is, he's constantly coming off when he's coming off the handoff of the curl, which is most of his shots is like, he's doing this hip. I mean, it's really hard what he's doing, man. Like he, he's coming off a curl diagonally, right? He's usually running all around the court for a possession before he actually gets to the ball. And then when he is coming to the ball before he actually catches it, he's turning his hips and catching it in rhythm and then rising up. And in the, all that, in that tiny window of time, he has to decide whether or not he's going to actually go up with the shot. It depends on how close the, you know, his defender is to him, how, how good the screen was, how well did it hit. And then also, is the second guy going to help on him or is he paying attention to Bam more? And so it's like he has to make that tiny read in such a – I mean, I'm sorry, huge read in such a tiny window of time. And I, I think, like – Sometimes it's easy to get in your head if you're constantly like, okay, somebody's chasing me off this. Because the defenses have went from his first season in the league to not being as worried about him to now he's a focus. And it's been like that since last season. And I think he was better last season than he showed this season. So that's why I think he's going to go back to that level. And I think he's just going to go back to being completely elite and people are not going to question him anymore. Yeah, a lot of Heat Twitter is going to bite their own words because, again, Heat Twitter is toxic. They think just because he gets he's gonna have huge dollars, games in the playoffs, because he gets ninety million dollars that they're expecting ten threes a game, we forget he's human still. Yeah, people go through slumps. Shooters go through slumps. Dwayne Wade used to go through little spurts where he would struggle. It happens to players. 
So the next player we're going to get into is PJ Tucker, huge PJ Tucker guy. And I want to ask you, is he one of the most under the radar pickups in heat history? A few names I have here. I have Chris Anderson. I have Iguodala. I'm going to say no, because the heat are so known for, you know, whether it's, turning undrafted players into rotation players or guys who get paid like Duncan Robinson or whether it's turning second round picks into rotation players, getting like guys like what you said, uh, Birdman, like midseason pickups. They've done it so many times that I'm going to say no, just because PJ had just won a title uh, and, and was on the biggest stage doing what he does. So it should, I, I don't think it was under the radar. What I would say is it's one of the mo- most underrated pickups Right, and I think that's something that gets thrown around a lot, for sure, by me too. But uh, just the word underrated, overrated. But PJ is definitely that guy because even Heat fans underrated him. Even I underrated him a little bit because I, I didn't really think he was going to bring much offensive value. And even if his three point shooting uh, regresses, like it likely will, he's still giving you other stuff as far as the boards and specifically the floaters and using him as a screen and roller. Like so, he's not just giving you. The defensive value he's not a one-sided player like I think a lot of uh, a lot of us expected he's just exactly the type of player that they needed to fit in next to Bam there especially with like the type of resources that they had it's not like they were able to chase after a big name player uh at the four there the Lowry thing was pretty much always going to happen and that was their sights were set on that so uh, with what was available, I think PJ was the best option out there, right? I, everybody liked Jeff Green and Blake Griffin. I would have liked those guys too at the time. But PJ, his stockiness and the defensive and, and rebounding stuff that he provides at, at such a high level, it was very much needed, man. Like they they looked small plenty of times in the past, whether it was with Crowder or Ariza. The difference is that when, when it was with Crowder, they were winning games and Goran was still looking like an all-star, right? Uh, but that stuff was mitigated by how well they were playing on defense. And, and like I said, getting all-star performance from, from Goran at the time where they did not last year, but they were still small in the front court because Bam is for, for a center, you know, not small, but a little bit. Yeah. He's like six, nine, six, 10, but he's, he's got size. He's very athletic. He makes up for it, obviously by, by being just one of the best defenders on the planet. He's a very good rebounder. He, he's, it's not like he lacks in rebounding like Kelly or Myers did in the past. So it's obviously not an issue, but you got to put somebody next to him. If you're going to go with, you know, quote unquote, small ball fours, somebody who can rebound and defend and obviously can space the floor. And that's what they did. They did it, you know, for seven million per season, a pretty good price. And somebody who fits all the holes of what they needed. Like they were just not a great rebounding team last season uh, and we're getting killed. Like the, the Buck series was the biggest emphasis of everything I'm talking about. And it left the taste a sour taste in everybody's mouths at the end of the season. Like you just got dominated by size by the Bucks. They were killing you on the offensive boards, uh, completely smothering Jimmy with size. He wasn't able to get a lot of those uh, mismatches that he got the year before against the Bucks. And Bam wasn't able to take advantage of the gaps they were leaving him. And boom, it was like they, they were completely smothered. And now BJ, I mean, sorry, BJ, PJ, Gives them some of that while taking it away from the Bucks. So I just think it was definitely an underrated pickup. And even by me, who was all the way for it and has been for it since last trade deadline, uh, PJ has been an even better fit than I could have imagined. And I think the most underrated part of all of it is that we took him away from the Bucks. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And I loved it. 
And Greg was saying that you guys were pretty clean that it was going to be Bobby Portis and that PJ Tucker came out of left field. Oh my God. Thank you. You know what, man? I'm so glad you brought that up. Thank you. Because I, I don't know if you remember how against that I was. And like, I try to be objective. I'll find before all, you know, that's my, that's my responsibility. And I'm trying to be objective here too. But as a heat, somebody who grew up being a heat fan, it's like, who vibes with the Heat more? The P.J. Tucker types or the Bobby Portis types? P.J. Tucker. And exactly. And Perfect. Bobby was asking for more money. And look, man, I'm just not high on his game. Like, I understand he, he he looked good on a big stage. But it was also like he was playing next to Giannis, who is a generational type talent, two other all-stars, an elite defense where his defensive stuff wasn't as uh, magnified because he was always playing next to uh, – defensive player of the year type candidates who could protect the rim right and like portis i just don't think he's a good defender i think it's the type of guy who who loses minutes during the playoffs you don't play him more he's like a role he's like a, a bench player to me and pj he's the type of guy who could go on any team and contribute like i, I understand portis you, you wanted a shooting big man and he's 610 but he's not like he doesn't provide the stuff that pj provides and that's what the heat were missing I compare Bobby Portis to someone like Kelly Olenek. Sure, but even Kelly, I just think Kelly's a much better basketball player. Yeah. Oh, I agree. <laughs> Bobby Portis, like he, so as, as a passer, as making reads, I think he's a better shooter. You know, I just think Kelly's a much more natural, much more fluid player, whereas Portis, you know, is like a streaky shooter as a big man who can't really do anything else. Now, P.J. Tucker said, if you want the notice – you want to be noticed, you don't want his job. His job is behind yep. the scenes getting everything else done. And that literally doesn't appear on the box score. Exactly. And through his last nine games, the Miami Heat Twitter actually tweeted this, I think, yesterday. Through his last nine games, PJ Tucker is shooting 71.4% from the field and 68.4% from three. Yeah. You see, and like, we're all expecting... the three stuff is going to come down. Like, there's no yeah. doubt about it. Yeah. And, you know, that you're hoping that that regression comes at the same time as, you know, Lowry and Duncan kind of going back to normal. Yeah, a little but that, that, Again, this, that's to, to the testament of, of, of three-point shooting and the variance that comes along with it. Like, that, it's just what happens. That's just how, how three-point shooting goes, man. And even w when his shooting comes back to normal and he's not putting up games where he's going six of seven like he did two games in a row last week, uh, I, he's still going to provide you with so much of that stuff. That, that He's an incredible screener, great defender still at his age. It's still a great rebounder, great at boxing out, and Spo is in love with him. Like uh, I, I purposely asked Spo a question about P.J. Tucker and uh, emphasized what he's brought because I knew it would, it, it would get Spo to, to, to basically glow in, in talking about him because Spo usually will, like, you know, make a face annoyed at my, my stupid questions. So I knew that this one would make him happy. So before we end, Alex, I want to, I want you to let the people know where they can find you on Twitter and then talk a little bit about five on the floor, because I recommend to all my listeners that they watch and listen to five on the floor and what better person to promote it than one of the guys actually on the podcast. Well, a lot of people, I think, could promote it better than me just because I'm not great at that. Never been a salesman. Always been anxious, shy, timid, etc. cetera. Uh, you know, it's, it's not my thing. But five on the floor, baby. 
we're uh, we do four shows a week on the Heat. Been going strong. It's Ethan Skolnick. You probably know he's been around the Miami market, around the newspapers, radios. You know, since I was born in '96. Uh, he's the host. It's me and Greg Leif Sylvander, who is an insider on the Heat and has connections and is the OG of Heat Twitter and is uh the best right they, those guys carry me and then you got brady hawk who's our fourth and the, you know he's the up-and-coming protege there and then i'm just like the guy who edits the pods and ethan lets come on to gas bags uh <laughs> so that that's that's your sales pitch for five on the floor we've got the best numbers in the market no, no I'm, I'm playing around i don't know it's a pretty good podcast i do love it no I, I i do enjoy our pod i'm just terrible at sales pitches like i said that's why I had to give you the disclaimer. But uh, you can follow me at Tropical Blanket. Like I said, I'm going to start dropping articles for Clutch Points soon. So you could check that out there. But specifically, shout out Five Reasons Sports. Shout out Ethan. Shout out Brady. Uh, hit, man, unbelievable. He literally walked up to Alf at a game uh, like a year ago asking about an opportunity. And now, you know, <laughs> he's credentialed. He, he, he really earned it, man. He really earned it. That he articles every day since he started doing this it's unbelievable like i can't tell you how hard i've ever read i i mean my god the growth in such little time i mean you know remember how people did the the oh he's only 19 about tatum for like four years that's how i feel about brady like i feel like he was only 17 for all all this time he just turned 18 i i just met him a couple weeks ago it was like meeting a meeting a overnight sensation it was it's crazy but Shout out Marco Romo, shout out Gad, shout out uh, Royal, all the people that do post up, all the people that do clutch corner. Shout out Adam for getting me the clutch points gig. Everybody at Five Reasons Sports. I had to make sure to, and all our sponsors, of course. All the sponsors. Let's see if I remember. <laughs> Prize picks. Uh, oh, wow. Preferred. Boom. See, I listened to this podcast. I know it. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Right. Shout out those two. Shout out. Uh, Jesus, I'm 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 choking right now. Oh my God! Shout out! Oh wow! This is this is Marco Fultz esque right Shout now. Shout out Jimmy Butler. Shout out Jimmy Butler. Shout out Tyler Hero. Yeah, shout out Tyler Hero. Forget Luca and Trey. What is he? What do they know? Shout out Max Drews, my Instagram follower. What? <laughs> oh damn! You're lucky. I wish. Uh, right, that's the guy right there, man. He, we we interviewed him a couple months ago, and he. He followed us all. He looks at my stories. So now I'm like, I don't want to post anything. Like, I don't want to waste this guy's time. Bro, I, me and my friends have a group chat, and it's called the Max Drews Fan Club. Wow. Yeah, I'm a big fan of him, too. It's totally got nothing to do with him following me. Okay. So <laughs> let's, get you, let's get you out of here. I know you got to make a party. So before we go, I just want to say happy Thanksgiving to everybody listening. And if I don't get one out before, happy Hanukkah to all my fellow Jews out there. Play about me, my homeboy Tyler. He playing South Beach. He told me this summer he gon' fix my jumper. I told boy wonder that we might got a thumper. I've been trying to pop now. I'm on like Shumper. Yeah. Yeah.